Welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Okay, friends. We're going to keep moving along here. <laughs> you know how sometimes, I don't know if any of you work with wood or sometimes you get a sliver and you're like, is there a sliver in there or not? And then you hit it just in the right spot and you're like, oh gosh, yes, there's definitely something in your finger. There's definitely something stuck in my finger. I'm building a workbench right now. So, you know, Jesus was a carpenter. I'm just trying to kind of model my life after him. So, <laughs> I'm just, hey everybody. Uh, my name is Micah. I'm one of the pastors here at Awaken. Very glad that you're with us. Uh, we would love to know if you were and you're new to our community. So in the seat pockets in front of you or the seats there uh, or online, you can fill out, click the I'm new button. Let us know that you were here. Somebody from our team will reach out, invite you to a beverage of your choice, uh, get to know each other a little bit. Um, also, if you brought tithes or offerings this morning, um, there's multiple ways that you can give to the church. Those are on the screen behind me. But there is old-fashioned, uh, the old-fashioned style. So those cards and any tithes and offerings can go in the black boxes at each of the exits. We're really grateful for, for both of those, so thank you. A um, couple things we want to let you know about in the life of the church, the first of which is... Winter market is coming, Advent is coming, and so um, this is one of the favorite times of the year here at Awaken, and during Advent, on all Sundays in Advent, in the gallery, we will have four spots for uh, creative folks, makers among us, who will be offering their, uh, their goods uh, to you for purchase. So um, if you are interested in having a booth or a week that you uh, bring your stuff to sell, you can sign up through the 13th of November. Um, and uh, I think that's right. Is it the 13th? Yeah. Um, and then we'll publish that list so you know who's, who's coming and what they're bringing, and you can make your, uh, your plans to support the folks who make things at Awaken. Also, related to Advent, we're having a Christmas Eve choir for the second time ever in the history of our church. It's going to be very exciting. The first time we did it, it was fantastic. It was so beautiful. And so Melody is leading that if you are interested, um, 12 and up. So youngsters, uh, if you, you know, any high schoolers who are in choir at, at, at school, uh, you're welcome to join. So you can sign up for that through the 20th of November. And then last but not least, um, we're starting, well, I say we, I have nothing to do with this next one, um, Moms of Babies, uh, um, Heidi Akpayette actually, sitting right over here, is um, gathering those who uh, have little ones. And so on the 11th of November, Friday at 10 a.m., um, we'll gather in the nursery, um, so just moms and babies, that's pretty simple. There's no program, there's no curriculum, there's no agenda, just getting together with folks in similar life stages. Toddlers are welcome to that as well, if you have them, um, and so, uh, yeah, if you have any questions, Heidi's email is there, she's also here today, so you can ask her. Sound good? Yeah, all right. You guys made it. You set your clocks forward, but you're, you look a little bummed about that fact. Even though you got another hour, uh, I actually forgot to set my clock forward. I woke up, or I guess set it back. I woke up, and I was like, oh, no, it's 7 o'clock. I usually wake up at 6, and, and it turns out I was fine, totally fine. Um, let's start this over. <laughs> If you have a Bible, we're going to be in Ezekiel chapter 47. It's a little harder to find, so I'll let you know that's where we're going. Um, and as you do, 
uh, I was about eight, nine, ten years old or so the first time I ever experienced this. My dad used to take my brothers and I to Voyagers National Park up near the Boundary Waters. Uh, it's south of Quetico in Canada. Um, very beautiful. Actually, a lot of people don't know. It's a national park, friends. Like, Minnesota has one. So, you know, the Grand Canyon, Bryce, uh, you know, these beautiful national parks. Yellowstone, we've got our own. It's called Voyagers National. We would go up there, my brothers and I, and this one time my dad was like, I don't, have you guys ever heard, like, what a, an actual echo sounds like? So we're going through Namakan Narrows in Voyagers National Park, and he, like, brings the boat off plane, turns it off, and then he just screams, which frightened us quite a bit, to be honest. I'd never heard my dad like, but then you heard it, right? It was just like, bah, 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 bah. He's like, try it. So we all did. We're like, hey, 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 hey. You know, like in the Boundary Waters at night when the water gets calm. You ever done this before? Or you go to the Grand Canyon and you do this? It's called an echo, friends, and it's wild what happens. There's like a source material. There's, a, there's a, an original sound that's made. And then that sound gets repeated, you know, scientifically. It's bouncing back off of a, an object, a hard object, and it comes back to you in the form of an echo. The series that we're in right now is called Echoes of Eden because it's my contention that there is an echo of a particular story that we begin with in Scripture. It is Genesis 1 and 2. The idea of Eden, right, that God creates this garden, uh, and from this garden flows this river, and this river flows to the four corners of the earth. Uh, this river flows from the presence of the life-giving, healing, hope-giving uh, presence of the divine out into the world, and wherever it goes, it brings life, and there is flourishing and wholeness, and in Eden, this idea of shalom. And Eden, as an idea echoes throughout scripture. Time and time again, we see the writers of scripture tapping into this story that we heard first, the, the source material is Genesis 1 and 2. So we started there last week and we looked at how God relates to the waters of creation. And in the very beginning, Genesis 1, 1 and 2, the water, the word for water is this, this Hebrew word for like the abyss, the sort of dark death, you know, uh, uh, the place where things go to die, not life-giving. But then the Spirit of God hovers over that water, and that word changes to a different word for water, ma'im. And that water becomes the water that gives life, that God creates with, that springs up from the ground in Genesis 2, the second creation narrative. It's the water that God separates and draws a land from and waters the garden with, and then that water flows out of Eden and becomes the water that heals the world. So, this week we are in Ezekiel 47, where we find an echo of Eden. We find an echo of this story from the prophet Ezekiel. So, if you have your Bibles, that's where we are. If you are able, I'd invite you to stand for the reading of the word, and then we'll dive in. Ezekiel 47, starting in verse 1, says this, The man, an angel, brought me back to the entrance to the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple, toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east, and the water was trickling from the south side. Is everybody clear on where the water's coming from now? I've read that multiple times, and I'm still like, you're a terrible describer of where this water's coming from. He's a prophet, so. As the man went eastward with the measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits. 
and then led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off a thousand, another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross. Because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. He asked me, son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river, and when I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah, where it enters the Dead Sea. And when it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So wherever the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from En Gedi to En Eglame, and there will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and marshes will not become fresh, for they will be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on banks, on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit, because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food, and their leaves for healing. Pray with me. God, this morning, as we take some time to consider the words of the prophet, and are reminded of this vision that he is given of a day that will come when water will flow from the temple, from the very place of God's presence and resting place. And that it will heal the world. I pray that this morning you would bring just a fraction of it to this place. That whatever is broken in this room, whatever needs to be healed, whatever is tired and weary, would be given rest. That you would breathe your spirit into our lungs like you did to the first humans. And that we too would become living souls. Pray in the strong name of Christ and by the power of your spirit. And the church said together, amen. You may be seated. A little bit of background. Uh, Ezekiel is a prophet. He is uh, a Jew. He's a Hebrew. He's one of the Israelites who have been taken from the promised land, from Jerusalem, from Israel to Babylon. One of the multiple times that Israel was taken captive and exiled in a foreign land. Um, Ezekiel tells us in chapters 8 to 11 uh, a little bit of what's going on and why they find themselves there. And he gives a list of the abominations that Israel has participated in. All the ways in which they have um, gone off course. They have worshipped idols. They have done things that God invited them not to do. Which has led to Elvis leaving the building. Otherwise known as the Spirit of God, the presence of God leaving the temple in Israel, in Jerusalem. And so it's bad. It's real bad. Like, imagine you are the chosen people of God. The, the, the God of the universe, the God of creation, who spoke and breathed things into existence, you're that God's chosen people, and somehow you have been carted off to a foreign land. You are now enslaved and in exile with no hope of returning to the place where God had placed you, the promised land, Israel. Um, 
I don't know how you feel about the election uh, on the eve of election week, right? Uh, in a world that sometimes feels a little chaotic, yeah? Wars and rumors of wars, um, salmon disappearing from our watersheds, wildfires and earthquakes. Did you know the kelp beds off the coast of California are disappearing too? I just read this the other day. They're like, they eat like most of, like, I think they're one of the largest like consumers of, of CO2 on the planet and they're just disappearing. The Great Barrier Reef in Australia, nearly gone. Shall I keep going? <laughs> it's, it's rough out there. You know, uh, in, in, in a world where it, it appears at times that power and empire and the most money wins, um, where like uh, protections of the most vulnerable people among us are at risk of being lost, that, this is where we are. Like, try to imagine, like, it's bad. And we read what we read from Isaiah 47. A vision of a hope and a future that includes healing and transformation and life for all the people. Where water begins to trickle out from underneath the temple, where it, it has, where where no activity has been for some time now, and that water gathers, like like gathers a head of steam, almost like the opposite in Egypt, right? Like when when evil and empire gathers a head of steam, it looks like Egypt, right? It's the opposite of that, where life and hope and healing gathers a head of steam. It looks like this, and it flows down the mountain and into, well, the Dead Sea. This is what the prophet says is going to happen. We learn that in chapter 40, he's been there 25 years, in the 25th year of our exile, the beginning of the year, in the 10th month, 14th year after the fall of the city. On that very day, the hand of the Lord was on me, and he took me there. In visions of Elohim, in visions of God, he took me to where? The land of Israel, on a very high mountain, where there was a city. And we're reminded that there is a river flowing from the temple. The temple mount a place that has echoed Eden all throughout the story of the Bible. So three things I want us to notice from this text this morning as we think about these echoes of Eden that we see in Scripture. The first of which is uh, the, the angel asks the prophet of question in verse 6. I don't know if you heard that or not, but it reminds me of some of the questions that Jesus asks people. You know, a blind guy comes to Jesus and he's like, what do you want? At which point, pause, don't you just kind of want to say, isn't it obvious, pal? <laughs> right? What do you want? Like, can you name the thing that you desire? The prophet hears from the angel, do you see this, son of man? Do you perceive what's in front of you? Do you see what's happening right now? Like, there is this capacity for someone to be somewhere and to, to have something happening in front of them, but them not able to see it. Do you see this? And this is a theme that we see in Scripture. Another theme, if the echoes of Eden are one, the, the idea of being able to see. Right? Think about the stories. Abram and Lot in Genesis 13. Lot looks to the south and sees the plains of Zoar. Abram, his eyes are lifted and he sees the promised land to the north. Um, think about Jacob and Esau. One of them tricks their father who can't see who's in front of him. 
Uh, Jesus, in the Gospels, multiple times in Matthew 9 and 20, blind men come to Jesus asking him to be healed. Blind Bartimaeus in Mark's Gospel. Jesus calls the Pharisees blind guides. I don't think they were all blind, but they can't see. Nicodemus, right? He comes to Jesus in the night. Can you see it? We call it refrigerator blindness. You ever been there? Right? You're, standing, you're standing in front of the fridge at your house, and you're like, I swear there is a Chobani flip. The cocoa ones, the, the coconut ones, that's the best kind, by the way. Uh, I swear there's a Chobani flip right here. And it was here yesterday, and your loving partner comes over and is like, it's literally like right here. <laughs> Pulls it out. Never saw it. Your kid's like, where's the ketchup? I know it's in there. And you're just like, it's, it's right here, you know. Standing right in front of something, and you cannot see it. Uh, this spring, last spring, uh, on one of those Minnesota days when all Minnesotans are out in T-shirts and the rest of the country's like, what the hell is wrong with you people? You know, it's like sunny, but not really all that warm. We're like, T-shirts and shorts, sun's out, gun's out. So on that day, on one of those days, I was sitting on my patio uh, in the afternoon, like the sun was shining, and you know, like a cat just out there soaking it in. I take a moment of like meditative reflection, quiet. I sit down and I sit there. I'm, whew, I'm alone. And then I see like something over here. And I'm like, what is that? And there's a bird. And then I see another one over here. And like all of the sudden, there are birds everywhere. They were there the whole time. I just couldn't see them. I think that this is a theme in the spiritual life that I want to remind us of. That we have the capacity to become blind, or I'll use a different analogy, numb, to the things of God that are happening all around us, all the time, every day. And I think this is an important reminder to have, to be reminded of as, uh, as one of your spiritual leaders. Like, this happens. We can do that. Where our hearts become numb, we become blinded to the things of God that are happening all around us all the time. And, 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 and it would be great if the angel came to us and said, can you see it? The water flowing from the temple. But I want to take it a step further as one of your guides. And I want to say, do you know how you get there? Like, we've all been at that place where we're like, man, how did I get here? Like, how have I gotten to this place where I've become so numb or I've become so deaf, so blind to the voice of God or seeing what God's up to, right? We've, we've been to that place and then we're like, oh, here I am. Do you know how you get there? Because it's different for me than it is for you. You have a particular way of getting to that place that is just for you, <laughs> And I have a particular way. And there are certain things in my life that I know when I keep saying yes to this, I get to the place where I can't see anymore or where I become numb to the things of God. And it's harder for me to hear. It's harder for me to see. Do you know how you get there? Does your partner know how you get there? Does your community, your small group know how you get there? This is where like spiritual maturity and formation happens. When we do the hard and reflective work of how do I get there? What are the themes? What are the common denominators? When I found myself there, deaf, dumb, and blind to the things of God, can I name them? And then do the people who know me and love me know? So they can say, 
oh, hey, we've been here before, friend. Let's turn around. That's called repentance in the Bible. Teshuva, to turn. So, just a Surgeon General's warning from your friendly neighborhood pastor this morning. We do this. This is what we do as humans. Can you see it? Do you see it? Can you perceive it? And when you get to the place where you cannot, do you know how? Which leads me to a, a, a third or a second observation. The, where the river flows, everything will live. There's a couple of phrases in here. Verse 9, he says, Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. And then uh, later in that verse, he says that wherever the river flows, everything will live. The, the, the language is super technical in this spot, and everything actually means everything. <laughs> I'm a very bad liar. Uh, I can't, I, I, I'm a bad faker, which has its, uh, has its upsides and its downsides, you guys. Um, you know, as a pastor, you, you'd want a person who has a hard time lying. <laughs> Better off than someone who has a really easy time lying, right? Yeah, okay. Um, but when we go to a party and someone's not funny, uh, you know, who happens to work with my wife or something, she's like, will you just give them the, just laugh a little bit, like just, and I'm like, it's not funny. I, I'm sorry. I can't, ma- I can't muster it up. I can't lie. Uh, I can't fake it. And so when you come to a verse like that where it says, swarms of living creatures will live where, wherever the river flows. Wherever the river flows, everything will live. You have to ask your question, do you actually believe that? And so I sat with that this week. 24 years in, I've been doing this. I've sat on these stairs and prayed for you 12 years now before you get here on Sunday with a group of people. And so I sat with the question this week, do you actually believe that anymore? Wherever the river flows, everything will live. Whatever the river touches, it will live. And I'm not a good faker. I'm as committed to that idea today as I was 24 years ago when I started this job. Wherever the river, the presence, the life-giving, hopeful, healing, redemptive presence of God is, it can only bring life. Now, I'm not committed to the idea that wherever the church is, everything will live. (laughs) Or wherever Christians are, everything will live. We've been to that party. (laughs) Right? So maybe you're coming in here this morning and you're like, I'm calling it, Micah, BS. I call it. Because I've been to places where the river was supposed to be and it was not life. It was actually a lot of death and a lot of carnage and a lot of violence. Yeah? We all have to kind of work through that because I'm a part of this gig and you're a part of this gig. So I'm not committed to wherever the church is, everything will live. Or wherever the Christians are, everything will live. I'm talking about wherever the good news is. Not like hope, you know, heaven after you die, let's avoid hell. No, I'm not talking about that. Wherever the gospel, wherever the good news is, which is the hopeful, healing, life-giving, transforming presence and powerful nature of God. Wherever that is, everything will live. 
So I don't know if you came here this morning with anything that's dead or that needs to be healed or that is broken. But I am absolutely 100% committed to the idea and the reality that wherever the presence of God is, the life-giving, like hopeful, healing presence of the divine who spoke the world into existence, who created everything and called it good, wherever that is, whatever, whatever comes in contact with that, whatever is tapped into that, whatever says yes to that, life comes, life happens, flourishing is to be found. And I will only say that because I can testify to it in my own life. And if I were to bring some of you up here, I'm guessing you might say the same. So I offer that to you this morning as a claim, like as a testifying, that that's true. And you can say, well, I agree, Micah, I'm with you. Yes, wherever the, life get, wherever the, the, the river flows, life happens. Or you can say, I'm not sure if that's true. All of that is welcome in the room, but I'm going to stand here this morning and I'm going to say from the top of my head to the bottom of my toes, I'm, I believe that that is true all the way through to the marrow of my being. That's good news, I think. Wherever the river flows, it, everything, and, and also notice it's indiscriminate. Said differently, it does not discriminate. The river doesn't flow just to the rich. The river doesn't just flow to the men. The river doesn't just flow to the straight. The river doesn't just flow to the people with the right skin color or who are from the right side of the tracks. It flows wherever there isn't opposition, wherever there is a yes, wherever there is an openness. Have you ever like opened a hose and then just watched what happens to the water? It goes wherever it's not opposed. I think that's what God is like. I think that's what the spiritual life is like. God's presence goes wherever it isn't opposed. So can somebody say, I'm out? I think they can. But wherever there's openness, wherever there's a yes, wherever it's not openly opposed, I think that the Spirit of God works its way in there. Wherever the river flows, it's indiscriminate. It does not discriminate. That's good news, amen? Also, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but uh, in Isaiah chapter 2, the prophet says that basically the opposite's going to happen. So in Eden, the river flows out of Eden into, the four, or into four rivers, and then it goes out to the world. Isaiah chapter 2 says that basically at the end, in the last days, the opposite will happen. It will be exalted above the hills, and all the nations, all the people will stream to it. To what? To the, to the presence, to the source, to the life, to the divine. Do you believe that's true? I think that's amazing. And if that's true, man, that's like life-changing. Like you could build something on that. A life worth living. Yeah? Also, did you notice the geography of this, of this vision that, that uh, Ezekiel gives? So if you don't know the Middle East, the Mediterranean Sea's over here, Egypt's down here, Israel's this long, skinny part, the uh, Jordan River flows all the way down, Galilee, Sea of Galilee, Jordan River, Dead Sea's in the south. Jerusalem is a mountain on a hill, like in between the Mediterranean and the Jordan Valley. And it's really actually like quite stunning. It's very, very high. Uh, so when the psalmist says, we'll ascend the hill of the Lord, he's not joking. 
They would go up from Jericho and go up from the Mediterranean up to the, to the, to the mountain, to the temple. And that's where the vision, the vision begins, at the Temple Mount. And it flows to the east, and then it starts to make its way down to the south. And where does it go, friends? But it goes to the Dead Sea, which used to be, 3,000 years ago, a garden, actually. I don't know if you knew this or not. Uh, the, the Dead Sea is the lowest place on planet Earth. If you go there now, it literally looks like you're on Mars. It's bonkers. Like, it's uninhabitable. Nothing can survive there. No human can live there. You have to, like, bring in water. You can't survive there. It is the place of death. This is where the water's flowing to, okay? Uh, it's also the place, uh, the place that you might know called Sodom and Gomorrah. Do you remember this story from Genesis chapter 19? Where, like, the, 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 the region is... Destroyed by fire because of the sinfulness of Sodom and Gomorrah. We actually did a sermon on that a while back. So fear not, friends. You should go listen to that. But either way, the, the, the city is destroyed by fire. Lot's wife looks back and she turns into a pillar of salt. Do you remember this? Okay, this is a wild. There are archaeologists that have been digging around this area in this place called Tel El Hammam. It's an ancient city. And they are finding... and. Scientists agree on this. Smithsonian, the New York Times, like, this is, this is not a joke, okay? This is not like periodicals at the checkout stand, right? They, they are agreeing, they're in agreement that um, over, like, 3,000 years ago, there was a meteor that hit the earth and exploded over this region, and it sent, like, this shockwave, this blast of heat up to 3,600 degrees Fahrenheit and incinerated everything in its blast radius, so, like, literally, what used to be a thriving city and garden became an uninhabitable wasteland, and it left behind a layer of salinity in the soil that doesn't allow anything to grow. <laughs> Can you believe that? So, here's a little excursus. Uh, when we read in the ancient Bible that, you know, there was an event where destruction from, of, from fire came and destroyed the earth and it was, God was involved in it somehow. Did it actually happen that God destroyed the city because of this reason? I don't know. It's a bad question though. Here you have ancient writers using an actual historical event that happened and weaving in spiritual meaning into it and, and then we get the stories that we get. That's just a, a biblical, like, as you're reading the Bible, something to think about. But it's fascinating to me. The point of this is, uh, in, in Ezekiel's uh, story or picture, that the river flows to the place that is the most uninhabitable region on the entire planet. Like, life cannot live there. And what happens when the river gets there? More fish. <laughs> Everything lives! What, what was uninhabitable, death, desert, and graves, lives. And not only, not only the animals, but there are, uh, th that there are trees, right? Like we've been here before. There are trees lining the river. Which leads me to this last point where the prophet says, And their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. How does Dr. King keep going in the midst of adversity in the civil rights movement? Like, how does Rosa Parks have the, the, the wherewithal to say, like, not today? If you've ever seen the movie uh, Hurricane, 
Reuben Hurricane Carter. He was a boxer who was like wrongfully imprisoned and spent half his life in jail. There's another story. Uh, Brian Stevenson's involved in it. Uh, Just Mercy, it's called. How do people like that who were wrongfully accused spend most of their life in prison come out of that with love in their heart? In, in the hurricane, he says, hate put me in this place, but love's going to bust me out. How do people who suffer and who stand in the midst of great adversity keep going? How do they, keep, how do they, how do they not turn into hateful people? I would submit to you that they are tethered to, they are rooted in, they are tapped into a source that is greater than, bigger than. Call it God, call it the river, call it the universe. I don't care, but that's what the prophet's talking about. Their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. Why? Because they are rooted, they are tapped into something that is bigger, greater, uh, that, is all, that is true love, that is only love. That's God, that's the divine, that's the river, that's the source. I don't know about you, but I would argue that we become uh, the kinds of people, we develop the capacity to persevere in the midst of difficult circumstances when we're tethered to, when we're rooted in, when we're standing in the midst of the river, a source that's, ba- that's greater than ourselves, where we are depending on something other than me, because if it's just me, I know the outcome. I know where it goes. If it's just you, we know the outcome. We know where it goes. Their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. How do you become the kind of person whose leaf does not wither and whose fruit does not fail to nourish those you come in contact with in the midst of your life when suffering and death and violence comes? This story is arguing and offering and, and, and saying that what is true is that when we're tethered to, when we're rooted in, like the psalmist, like a tree planted by the water, I shall not be moved. How do you, how do you become that kind of person? By being rooted in the river, by standing in the midst of it, by saying yes to it, by not opposing it, by letting it flow. That's how. I was on a, a sacred sites tour a couple weeks ago with an indigenous leader in the Twin Cities named Jim Bear Jacobs, and it started at St. Peter's Catholic Church, which is the oldest and first Catholic church in Minnesota, also on the site of the most important indigenous site in all of Minnesota. That's an interesting conversation, not for today. But he told the story of the four grandmothers, which are four bur oak trees. Does anybody remember the Hiawatha line when they were building that? There was a whole bunch of um, protest about where it was going. It was going to go through a a spring that was really important to indigenous people. It was also going to cause the the cutting down of the four grandmothers, which were four bur oak trees that were planted on the cardinal directions and had grown to this gigantic, beautiful canopy. Their leaves had come together and it they know that they planted these because they don't, bur oaks don't do that in nature. And unfortunately, um, progress won on that one, and those trees were cut down. They're no longer there. They were there for 100 years, and they're gone. But somebody, an arborist, who cared enough, took cuttings from these trees. And he took them back to his nursery, and he, nur- he, he, he nurtured them, and he grew them to the point where they could be planted again. And those four grandmothers are now the four granddaughters, and they are planted at St. Peter's Catholic Church. And there are four of them on the four cardinal directions. But there's one of them that looks a little rough. Go to the next slide, if you would. That, that one right there, it doesn't even look like a tree. That's one of the four grand, granddaughters. And when we saw it, I, I remember thinking, like, that one's not going to make it. 
And our guide said, I think I know what many of you are thinking right now, and that's that you don't think that one's going to make it. And I'll tell you that I've been doing these, these tours for 12 years, and that little tree right there is the first one every spring to get her leaves. She's the first one to give up her acorns every year. And she knows suffering. And she knows what it means to persevere because she's tethered to and rooted in a story that matters. And as I sat there and I looked at that tree, I thought, like all the people in my life that I cared about who suffer. And I wondered, like, how do they make it? How do we ensure that they keep going? That they keep bringing, their leaves keep coming and they don't wither. And their fruit doesn't fail. Friends, I'm telling you, the stories that we tell and the stories we believe in, they matter. They shape our lives. They transform us. They make us different kinds of people. And the prophet is offering the possibility that when you're tethered to, when you're rooted in, when you're standing in the midst of a river that flows from the the very source of life that that is on offer to you right here and right now today, that it is here. Can you see it? When we stand in it, when we say yes to it, when we allow it to flow in and through us, we become life. We live. We, we get changed. And then we get to give that to the world. And that's good news. That's not when the church shows up with picket signs telling us who's going to heaven and who's going to hell. No, it's when the church shows up as, as like the, the hands and feet of Jesus in the world and says, come all you who are weary, heavy burdened, Take on this yoke. The prophet says, hey, do you remember that story? Do you remember Eden? This is a moment, an echo of it, and it will come again. I've been doing this 24 years, and I can't lie to you. I'm more convinced of that today than I, am, than I was when I started and I offer it to you today for your consideration. Either that's true or it's not. Either there is a river of life flowing from the very source of being that is available to you here and now to tap into, to live, to say yes to, that brings hope and life and healing and transformation to my life and your life and our world, or we're on our own. I don't think it's the latter. I think it's this one. So pray with me if you would. God, this morning as we take a moment to think about the words of the prophet and the reality that the possibility that we're not alone out here, that there is something greater, something bigger, a force, an energy, maybe even a person who came to us in the the form of Jesus, that there is something on offer for us right here and right now today. And so for those who have been wounded, who, who are hurting, who need rest, who need to be healed, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do your work now and that there would just be yeses in the room, that there would be not opposition, and that you would flow wherever wherever there's space. So do your work, God.
as we close this morning and make our way to a table, which is a reminder, an echo of Eden. Um, on my right and left, there's communion available to you. There's white wine, uh, white grape juice and red wine. Uh, if you want, that's one of the reasons why we say what we say about communion. If you've been here a lot or maybe not for a long time or ever before, like, come. The river is indiscriminate. So if you want it, it's yours. Um, I invite you to take a piece of the bread and dip it in the cup. As you do, know that the body of Christ has been broken for you. The blood of Christ has been shed for you. So say yes. Mike's going to lead us in song. Um, I just invite you to respond. If you want to sit, you can stay seated. People can go around you. Don't feel bad. But respond. To the church gathered this morning in St. Paul, a reminder as you go into a week that has a lot of uncertainty in it, that whatever the outcome, whether there's reason to rejoice or reason to weep or be angry, that there is a river that flows. No matter whatever the kingdoms of this earth decide, that there is a good, there is a gospel, a good news that's here and now, that's available to us, that we can stand in, gain strength from, be healed in, and go out into the world with good news, with hope. So uh, I think, I say this all the time, but either it's true or it's not. Um, And the stories that we believe in matter. So um, I would invite you to say yes to it to let it flow, to step into it. Um, As you go, be reminded that the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance and give you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the church said together, amen. Grace and peace, my friends. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awaken Community or on Twitter at Awaken Community. See you next time.